Yeah. Uh, two-tone, the podcast, it's the livest. Every week we talking about them Tennessee Titans. Better tune in, this the podcast you want. Hosted by my big homie, Ryan Morland. Mariota throwing bombs, he don't ever miss. Malcolm Butler hold it down with the pick six. Talking stats and plays, what's happening? Derrick Henry, Dory Jackson, this where we get it cracking. Yeah, Tennessee Titans podcast. Two-Tone, hey, tune in. You're listening to Two-Tone Uncensored. I'm your host, Ryan Moreland. Have a very big show to get to, and we're doing it on Victory Monday. Another win for the Tennessee Titans. So we start off this season with a very disappointing loss in a seven-hour game uh, to the Miami Dolphins. Bounced back with a division win over Houston, and then another divisional win against the Jaguars. Before we really get into the depths of this, um, obviously Titans shocking the football world. An ugly win, but a win nonetheless, 9-6 to over the Jaguars. But we needed this to be ugly. I wanted to bring this point up. ESPN gave the Jags an 82% chance to win for a reason going into this game. This is a team that has performed better than we have. There's no question about that. Up to this point, they have been the better team up until this game. Their offense has really been clicking. They put over 400 yards and 31 points on the on the Patriots. You know, they, the week before that, they didn't put up a barnstorm of points, but they they did do a pretty good job of moving the football. This defense, obviously, one of the best in the league. We needed to come out and play a sloppy game. You know, that's what we needed. I said this on the show. I've said it to people I've talked to. The sloppier. Not sloppy, it wasn't sloppy, the uglier. The uglier the game is, the better it is for the Titans. And that's exactly how it worked out. It was an ugly game and it was perfect for the Tennessee Titans. Exactly what we needed to to do in order to get a win. You know, considering the injuries that we have. um, This is the third straight time that the Tennessee Titans have beat the Jaguars. And the sixth straight AFC South Divisional win for the Titans. So this is a conference that we have... Pretty much owned. We went 5-1 and one last year inside the conference. This year starting off at 2-0. and oh, And we haven't been healthy yet. We haven't had Marcus at 100% since, like, what, the first half of that Dolphin game. We haven't had uh, Jack Conklin in yet. We, we There's a couple guys. Rashawn Evans hasn't had a lot of playing time yet. Um, you know, there's guys on this team, and no Delaney Walker for the rest of the season. There's a lot of guys on this team that have only seen a little bit of time or still haven't been healthy, even if they have seen time. So this is really good. If we're getting these wins now and we're 100% healthy, you know, this is going to help out a lot. When you talk about the playoff run, obviously right now Titans setting in first place in the division, this is big. It was a big win for us. Um, and the play calling deserves a lot of credit again this week. Before, in, in the Mike Munchek era, We won games in spite of our play calling. Our play calling held us back, and we won because we have really talented players, and they were able to overcome the odds. Now, we have a team that's barely healthy. You know, we bounced between a quarterback and Blaine Gabbard that's just, you know, an okay game manager, to an injured Marcus Mariota, and we're 2-1. and That's because the play calling is helping us. Rather than being a leash pulling us back like it was in the Munchak era, like it was in the Wisenhunt era, um, 
this is a, a game plan that is propelling us. We are playing better than what this team is right now because of the play calling. You know, it, it's just unbelievable that this is what's happening. Absolutely great win for the Tennessee Titans. Obviously, this show is more fun to do. I say this all the time. It's more fun to do when we win. I'm sure it's more fun to listen to me talk when we win. Uh, let's jump into the things I like, things I didn't like. And then I have one thing for you that I think is getting misinterpreted. First thing that I like, the defense obviously showed up big. Only allowed 232 yards. Just to give you an idea of how important that was, Jacksonville averages 392.5 yards in its first two games. That is over 40% decrease in production from what we saw Jacksonville week one, week two, and then what we saw in week three. A huge drop-off. Um, not only was did they, they only allowed... Uh, you know, 232 yards, only allowed six points, which is huge. Only 12 first downs, they're 36% on third down efficiency, and we had three sacks on Bortles. Um, this is a really big game for us. We did a very good job uh, of executing a, a game plan that limited what like what Bortles could do. It, it really took, we put the ball in Bortles' hands, like I said we needed to last week, but rather than pressure him constantly, and we did get good pressure. You know, we had three sacks, four quarterback hits. We did get a decent amount of pressure on Bortles throughout this game. But what we did even better than that was coverage down the field. We dropped two back almost consistently throughout the entire game. Had two safeties drop back. We took away long passes in this game. And, you know, Bortles did complete 61% of his passes in this game. Over 61%. But he was checked down Charlie the entire game. The Titans forced him to check down from the start of this game throughout its completion. Averaged 4.6 yards per throw, which is easily his season low. And lower than Marcus's 5.6. And Marcus was avoiding long passes due to a hand injury. That's really impressive, folks. That, that we were able to force Bortles into these checkdowns. And then the other thing... Those of you who remember in, in years prior, when quarterbacks checked down on us, that ended up being first downs more often than not. We blew a lot of tackles. This team's ability to come up and make the play at the point of the attack was excellent throughout the game because they were getting completions. I mean, like I said, over 61% of Bortles' passes were completed. He had 21 completions. He completed passes. The difference was those passes that went for three yards only ended up being three-yard gains or four-yard gains. There was only a few plays. I remember one where um, Landry really missed a bad tackle, which resulted in them getting a, a very short, uh, I believe, second or third down. But, and you know, when he whiffed on a tackle. But there wasn't very many whiffs. There wasn't very many broken tackles. This team came out and performed really well, swarmed to the ball well, um, and got made a lot of big plays at the point of attack, which is huge. It's huge for our defense to play like that. Very impressed with what they did. You know, we didn't go after Bortles as much as I thought we would in this game, but we didn't have to. We had a really good game plan. So this is one of those instances where, you know, they, they even outsmarted me, the, the play calling did. I was calling for constant pressure, and they did bring a lot of pressure. But the main thing that we did in this game was cover and cover downfield, not let them throw the ball deep. Um, and, and it does show, like, Bortles is maturing. You know, like, two years ago, even last year, probably would have forced a couple passes downfield, which would have been interceptions. 
He did take the checkdowns. Gay tried to give what we gave him, but we just did a great job of coming up, making plays at the point of attack, and forcing them into fourth down. Jarrell Casey, man. He's the next guy I want to talk about, an individual in this defense that's just been lights out. I know this is news to no one that follows the the NFL, but Jarrell Casey's a freak. He's just a freak of nature. He's tied for sixth right now in sacks in the NFL uh, with three. Obviously got two last week, one this week. I, I tweeted about this during the game, but his play diagnosis is second to none. As soon as the ball snaps, he comes out violent, and he's and he, you know he swim move really great, spin move really great, getting around defenders, uh, getting through defenders, getting over defenders. He does pretty much everything well that you expect from an interior defensive lineman, and even from an edge rusher, he's not bad. Um, Jarrell Casey does like has like a, a just a whole barrage of moves that he can go to. But the whole time he's doing these moves, he keeps his eye on what's happening. There was a play on a third down where the the Jaguars, Bortles tries to, to throw a screen pass. So what happens, obviously, in the screen is guys get free. And a lot of guys, you know, see the quarterback and their eyes, you know, they see red. They just see, oh, my God, I have an opportunity to get him. They fly in there. The screen ends up working. You see Jarrell Casey blow up his blocker. And has a wide open lane. And and I'm sitting there excited. I like watching Jarrell Casey when I watch football. I recommend it to everybody who's a Titan fan. Before the snap, find where Casey is and watch what he does. Because it, it blows your mind each and every week. The guy's just so... Not only is he just physically dominant, but that's the second best part of his game. His mental ability and how smart he is is easily the best part of Jarrell Casey's game. But anyway, you saw him blow up his uh, blocker, wide open shot, and I'm like, immediately I'm like, fucking get him. Go get Bortles, go cream him, Jarrell Casey coming up with a sack here, and he starts running off to the left, immediately running to his left, rather than running downfield and getting Bortles, and it took me a half second to realize, like, what is he doing, and obviously the pass gets there, Casey makes a play, uh, forces fourth down, and, and it's... Just to be able, in game speed, to be able to read and diagnose and make a play on that play at that size, unreal, unbelievable how talented this this guy is. It, it blows my mind that this guy's not all pro on a regular basis. I mean, it is nice that he's finally getting Pro Bowls every year, which he should have been pretty much his whole career. But my goodness, what what an amazing play to diagnose. Fun to watch. If you want to go back and watch it on film, I highly recommend it. It happens so fast that he diagnoses the play and gets in there. Um, that wasn't the only thing I saw from this game, but one play that really stuck out to me. Jerome Casey was a monster all game long. Constant pressure. You saw them you know, only sending three, four uh, throughout the game. And Casey still being able to put pressure um, Harold Landry did a great job when he was in the game coming off of that edge uh, and, and putting pressure on Bortles, forcing him to, to step up into a pocket that was collapsing or, or forcing him to, to lower his eyes. Um, that was great. I, I thought, that, you know, the pressure, this pass rush is much improved. And, and a lot of it has to do with these young guys coming in, uh, making big plays. Harold Landry, uh, Correa has been an absolute asset for us. And, of course, Jarrell Casey. Um, they definitely, this offense in Jacksonville definitely had 99 problems this week. 
Um, limited turnovers. I said, you know, and it was a very big key. You have to play mistake-free football. This is a team that that has a lot of a lot to like. They have a really good defense. They have an offense that was ticking up until this game. Um, we have to be able to limit turnovers. We want it to be an ugly game. We want it to be a low-scoring game. Um, you know, given that Marcus is injured, Gabbard's not going to light up the scoreboard. But a big key to that's not getting, not committing these turnovers. We had no turnovers in this game. Uh, we had one that we took um, from Jacksonville at the very end of the game to seal the win. So both both sides really did a good job of limiting turnovers. That one you can really even, can't really even fault Jacksonville. They were trying to do that, you know, just keep that hook and and ladder, 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 ladder. Just keep getting those laterals to try to make something work, and uh, and and it ended up in a fumble. That's gonna happen ninety percent of the time with those plays. Um, both both sides did a really good job of limiting turnovers in this game, which was very key. Obviously, when you're talking about uh, a six to nine game, a very big key was not turning the ball over. Time of possession and outgaining the Jaguars this is my next point here. Um, we had five and a half minutes longer time of possession than the Jaguars did, which was a huge point for me. Not letting them have the opportunity to get into a rhythm, uh, not giving them the opportunity uh, to have the ball extra possessions. We did a really good job of that in this game. You know, we had 32 minutes time of possession, uh, almost 33 minutes, and we moved the ball well. We were able to sustain drives. A little bit longer than than we would have really if Gabbard had been in, and I'll talk about that later. Um, but we were able to do enough with the football that it and eat the clock that it really limited the opportunities that Jacksonville was going to have, and and that was a big help for our defense. Um, only facing ten drives in this game, rather than facing you know if you start talking about eleven, twelve, thirteen, we we might lose this game. So that was a big point. Um, on the offenses, we did not turn the ball over. We kept the ball time of possession, and we ended up outgaining only by one yard. But total yards, we ended up outgaining um, the Jaguars, which shocked even me. I did not th- expect that to happen. Um, even if we won this game, I thought they would outgain us. We would just take advantage of mistakes. Um, there was no mistakes really to be taken advantage of. We just played better. We had a better game plan than they did. We we played better. Look how many missed tackles they had in that game. Look how many missed tackles they had against Marcus, against Derrick Henry. That was a big point of the game for them. It was not for us. Our defense came up and made plays. Their defense did not. And that's one reason why we got the win. Uh, My last thing that I wrote on here, there was a lot that I liked. I just wanted to hit some bullet points. Marcus' ability to run, obviously huge in this game. Uh, And we'll talk about Marcus in depth later in the show. But only seven carries and was the second leading rusher in this game. And that was behind Derrick Henry, who had 18 carries, so more than twice as many carries as Marcus, and only had six more yards than Marcus Mariota. And he picked up a good bit of first downs with his legs. That was huge in this game. Sustaining drives, getting us in the field goal range, huge in this game. So Marcus's ability to run and break tackles, it seemed like every time Marcus ran, he broke a tackle. That was also a big point in this game for me. Uh, very impressed with what uh, Marcus Mariota was able to do with the football. Now let's move on to things that I'm, I didn't like. I did not like seeing. The rushing attack still stagnant. I just talked about this a little bit, but Derrick Henry had 18 carries for 57 yards. That's a 3.2 average. 
Lewis only had nine carries for 26 yards. That's a 2.9 average. Conklin was still out in this game, but we did have Taylor Lewan back. The problem with our running game, it really, though, from what I've watched in this game, was our interior offensive line. Now, I get it. We were playing a, a team that has a very strong defensive line, and, and it is going to push and break up some plays. That's an obvious. They're going to do it every game against every team that they play because they're very talented up front. But we, we saw a lot of that same thing in Houston. We saw a lot of that same thing uh, in Miami, the interior of the offensive line not doing their job. Now, it's easier for them to do their job when you have Lawan on one end and Conklin on the other. Granted, that is true. Um, and I'm hoping that everything irons out when Conklin is back. But right now, this is worrisome to me. I'm hoping that this gets better. Uh, that the interior offensive line can do their job and we can open up rush lanes better. Also, uh, in this, I think Derrick Henry does deserve a little bit of blame for this. I think it's still the offensive line. Um, but there are times where, where Henry does those little jump cuts instead of just going. And at his size, you know, we need him to hit the hole hard. And on some plays, you kind of need him just to be an Eddie George type or, or a Jerome Bettis type where you just put your nose down and you push. And there are definitely plays where Derrick Henry does it. Like, obviously it happens. But there's a lot of plays where he starts doing these jump cuts and he's trying his best to do his best Le'Veon Bell impression when we really just need to put his, him to put his head down and get three, four yards out of it rather than doing these jump cuts and hoping something big breaks. Um, but, but again, I still think it's the offensive line that deserves the vast majority of the blame. When Derrick Henry is getting hit three yards deep and he makes a one-yard gain out of it, you know, that's on the offensive line, not on Derrick Henry. Um, quarterback depth, obviously very worrisome. Marcus isn't at 100%. Blaine Gabbert now in concussion protocol. This is something we'll be looking at all this week, and I'll definitely bring up on Friday's show. Um, you know where we at where we're at with Gabbert because it's you know the question marks come can Gabbert come back this Sunday um, do we need to sign a QB obviously because um, for those of you who don't know Luke Falk got signed so he's not on our practice squad because he got signed to a contract by a team so we're gonna have to go out on the free agency market and find somebody if Gabbert's not prepared to play this week and and if we do go and get somebody and Marcus isn't prepared do we start you know, this free agent right off the bat who is not familiar with the system, who's not good enough to make an NFL roster? I mean, that's scary, folks. Against the uh, Eagles team, you know, who we'll talk about in depth on Friday, they're, they have had their struggles so far this season, and it's not quite the team that a lot of us expected them to be, but they're no pushover. That, you know, that defense is talented. That It's not going to be an easy game to win. Uh, especially if we have to throw a guy to the Wolves that hasn't had a chance to play in this offense. Now, a lot of question marks. We still don't know uh, how long Gabbert's going to be out. We don't know if Marcus is going to be 100%. We don't know if we'll need to sign anybody. So we'll have to wait this week and see what happens um, there. But a lot of question marks still with our quarterback depth. Interesting side note I want to bring up. All of our injuries have come from dirty hits. The hit against Lawan was dirty. The NFL came back and said it should have been a penalty. The hit on Marcus, the NFL came back and said it should have been a penalty. Now, I don't have a problem with that hit on Marcus. It sucks that he got injured. I don't have a problem with that hit. But the NFL came out and said it was a dirty hit. Um, this week, 
uh, Gabbert gets hit helmet to helmet, which was a dirty play, and it did get the flag did get thrown on it. Uh, so all three of those injuries, which have, are big injuries for us, all three coming from dirty hits, not clean football. Now the one with the dory, that was a clean hit. That was it, you know, kick returns and punt returns have a tendency to be very violent. That was a violent hit, but it was clean. The last thing that I brought up, uh, things that I'm really upset with, big playability. Uh, this is obviously heavily affected by the injuries on our offense. But we only have three plays that went longer than 25 yards so far this season. That puts us in the bottom of the barrel of the league. That puts us tied for second from the bottom amongst NFL teams. And one of those plays was a trick play, a trick pass off of a punt. That's not good, folks. Another one was a throw to Luke Stalker um, in the, the Miami game. And one was uh, a long run by Deion Lewis. Also in the Miami game. This offense, and I know it is. It is because of the injuries. This offense has the ability to make big plays. Not having uh, Delaney Walker, huge. Not having Marcus, 100%, huge. Not having both tackles in the game, huge. Obviously. Obviously, it has to do with the injuries. But we're going to have to be able to do this. This is something we're going to have to be able to do. I'm expecting bigger things out of Davis this year. I'm expecting big things out of Taewon Taylor this year. Um, I expect big things from Rashard Matthews. We need guys to step up. We need Jonu Smith to step up. Luke Stalker's done a pretty solid job of, of moving into that role, and he's not a pass-catching tight end, and he has been for us. Um, picking up big first downs all three weeks, Luke Stalker has picked up at least one big first down. Uh, so he's jumped in good. I expect to see more of Jonu Smith as the season wears on because he's the bigger playmaker for us at tight end. Out of the two, obviously. Uh, I expect to see more out of our wide receivers than we have so far. We need to be able to get big plays on a regular basis. Well, not a regular, but a semi-regular basis. You need those big plays over the course of a season to win football games. That's the difference between a 6-10 and 10 team and a 9-7 and 7 team is a, a handful of big plays. You know, three, four big plays. That's the difference. So we're going to need those big plays, and we have zero or next to zero big playability right now. Uh, obviously a little worrisome. I think this is something that irons out uh, when everyone's healthy, though. What And then moving on to what's getting misinterpreted. So this is something that I think Titans fans right now are all looking at as a huge negative for this team, but it's not really as bad as you think it is, and that pass is dropped. According to the Washington Post, the Titans only have two drop passes on the year, both of them happening in this game. That puts us about middle of the road uh, in the NFL and really isn't a huge threat to our success right now. Obviously, I think everybody that is listening to this show right now knows exactly which two passes it was. The one to Matthews and the one to Tajay Sharp this week. Um, both easily catchable balls. But, you know, Tajay Sharp's hit him right perfectly in the numbers. That ball couldn't have been thrown better, and, and he dropped it. Um, Matthews, well, it wasn't a perfect ball, but it was a very good ball and definitely catchable. Uh, Davis had one in this game I think a lot of people looked at as a drop, and it really wasn't. It, it was decently defended. It was very thrown very low. That's a hard pass to catch, but you expect your number one receiver to be able to catch those passes. Um, so, you know, Corey Davis should have had that one, but that's not a dropped pass. That was a hard one to catch and was headed for the turf anyway. Um, 
So only two drop passes. Uh, the reason it hurts so bad is both of them were on third downs. Both of them would have been first downs. Both of them would have kept drives alive. And they both happened right, like, back to back. That really hurts. That's what made it seem a lot worse than what it actually was. Was because they both were so quick in succession and both of them ended up ending drives. But it really, passes being dropped isn't a big deal for us. It's not. Jacksonville had more passes dropped in this game than we did. They had way more misconnections than we did. Uh, they had a lot of plays that should have been... Uh, Keenan Cole looked like uh, an all-pro player last week against the Patriots and might as well not even have showed up for this game with the, with the Titans. Um, he looked bad. Bortles looked bad on a lot of passes. So, that you know, it's... It, drop passes aren't a big problem for us. They weren't last year. We were near the top of the league in drop passes. Uh, sorry, in, in not having uh, passes dropped. If a couple years in a row now, we've been near the top of the league in this. Um, and, and this year right now, we're about middle of the road. You know, three weeks in, two drop passes. Both of them happened in this game. It's really not a big deal and I, something I'm not worried about for the future. We, we don't normally drop a lot of passes. Um... And, and I know people will argue, what about that one to Taewon in the end zone? That's, there's a difference between a 50-50 ball and you don't come up with it and a true dropped pass. A true dropped pass isn't a 50-50 ball. Uh, a true drop pass is those 90-10 balls. Those ones where you're open, it hits you in the hands. You should have caught it. That one with Taewon, he was diving with a defender right there going into the ground, and the ball was right above the ground. That's not an easy catch to make by any receiver. Now, we wish he caught that for sure, but that's not an easy catch to make. That one with Davis was thrown at the ground, and he went down to go get it while defending. That's not an easy catch to make. Um, not what we consider a, tr a true drop. Now, let's talk about something else, though, real quick. And I want to talk about Marcus Mariota. Everybody, you know, I think the Tennessee Titans fans right now, about half seem like they're all with Mariota. Like, let's get him healthy. This is our quarterback. This is the guy that led us to a playoff victory last year. Uh, this is the guy that's going to lead us back. And then about half want to see Marcus gone, want to bring in someone new. I've seen people go as far to, as to say, let's tank the season and get Will Greer. Or let's tank the season and get, I'm not even going to attempt his name, but the kid from Alabama, which I don't think people realize is not eligible for the draft this year. Uh, or let's tank the season and let's go get, you know, Dwayne Haskins or, or Kyle Fuller or, you know, whoever. Um, that's, Marcus Mariota gives us a chance to win. And I'm going to prove it to you here, guys. On third downs in this game, when Marcus came in, this is what they look like. A drop pass by Matthews. A drop pass by Sharp. A throw that was low, but definitely catchable for Davis. Derrick Henry getting stuffed at the line. Deion Lewis getting stopped a yard short. So we have yet to get a first down in the first five third down attempts. These are all on third down. The first five for Marcus, after Marcus entered the game, first five were three passes that were definitely catchable. And then are both of our running backs getting stuffed or getting stopped short. The sixth one, Marcus throws to Taewon Taylor for a completion. The next one, Mariota gives up his only sack. The only sack on Mariota in the game. Uh, the next one scrambled for a first down. Uh, the next one, Marcus scrambled but ended up being short. 
the very one, the next one following that, Marcus hits Corey Davis, then Marcus misses Corey Davis, then Marcus scrambles for a first, then Henry uh, stopped, but that was when we were running out the clock at the end of the game. We were 5 for 15 on third down in this game. Four of those was Marcus making a play. Two of them Marcus throwing to a receiver, two of them Marcus scrambling. Marcus also had three passes dropped on third down that would have been first down. So then that changes the story. That changes it from 5 from 15 to 8 of 15, over 50%. That's the difference. That's what these passes did. And if you even take the Davis one out, which was, it could have been thrown way better. If you take that one out, it's 7 for 15. <coughs> Excuse me. And you're right under 50%. Uh, Gabbard had one pass for a first down in this game. Out of our 15 total first downs, this is not just on third down, but ones that we picked up throughout the game. One was a pass by Gabbard. Two were penalties on Jacksonville. One was Tajay Sharp's run. Uh, one was a run by Lewis. One was a run by Henry. Four were Marcus scrambling. Five were Marcus passing. 60% of our first downs came from Marcus making a play with his arms or legs. Now let's look at last week. Last week, oddly enough, we also went 5 for 15 on third down. We also had exactly 15 total first downs. Weird how it worked out like that, but it did. Um, to break those down, one of, the, of our total first downs was a run by Lewis. One was a penalty. Two were runs by Gabbert. Five were passes by Gabbert. And four were runs by Derrick Henry. That means 47% was Gabbert making a play, compared to 60% when Marcus was making a play. But also keep in mind, both of Gabbert's runs that he picked up for first downs were one yarders. All of Marcus's were longer than that. Um, some of Marcus's were more than 10 yard runs. Also keep in mind that Gabbert didn't have nearly as many passes dropped, obviously zero passes dropped, well, Marcus had two of his drops, so if you add that, Marcus's tally, they both had the same amount of passes for first downs. Add those two or three, depending on how you look at it, to Marcus's tally, and that drives him up much better uh, than what Gabbert was able to do. Gabbert was also facing a much easier defense than Marcus was, and the Texans compared to the Jaguars. Uh, Marcus was also not healthy and was unable to throw the ball deep down the field. Gabbert threw a couple passes deep down the field. Not many completions, but he threw the ball. He was 100% healthy in that game. He was ready. He had nothing hindering him. There's a good bit of difference between the two of these. Between injured Mariota facing a much better defense and healthy Gabbert playing a much weaker defense. Marcus Mariota has the ability, even when injured, to be better than, than Blaine Gabbert. And I know some of you are going like, to be like, oh yeah, but that doesn't make him great, and it doesn't. But it is impressive that even without the ability to feel two of his fingers, without the ability to throw the ball deep down the field, Marcus played very well in this game. Marcus had, was, you know, a, a boon in the running game. Pretty much the only reason that we got like anywhere in this game. I mean, you're talking about 60% of our first downs were Marcus making a play. And if you can include that 
two penalties. We had two penalties on Jacksonville that cost first downs. One of them was a, a penalty called on um, on a pass interference call that probably would have been a completion without the pass interference to Corey Davis. So that would have been another one. Matthews and Sharp dropped passes. Davis had one that could have been caught. You know, Marcus played a really great game and was a huge reason why we won. And most games that Marcus plays in, he is a huge reason why we won. I can think of one true game where Marcus was the reason why we lost. And that game in Pittsburgh, and I was there. And Marcus is the reason why we lost that game. Um, the wind wasn't as bad as, as everybody made it out to be. I was there. I felt the wind. I was on the Gateway Clipper on the water before and after the game with no nothing blocking you on the water. The wind wasn't as bad as people made it out to be in that game. Marcus threw a lot of lame ducks in that game. Um, that game is the only game in Marcus's career where I look and I think Marcus is 100% to blame. This is his fault we lost this game. But I, there's plenty of games where I've looked at and I'm like, and I say Marcus is why we won it. Marcus is why we won this game. You know, he makes a huge difference for this team. He's a guy that's going to give you a chance to win more often than he's going to put you in a position where you can't. Far more often. Uh, when he gets 100% healthy, we beat the best team in our division with an unhealthy Mariota. When he gets to 100%, how many teams do you think are going to be able to compete with this team? They are going to have shots at winning against us if we play our style of game and a Marcus is healthy. Not many. I can tell you that if they're not a playoff team, probably not on that list. Marcus gives us a really good chance to win. His running ability, his passing ability, his ability to pick up third downs. This dude, it has to be said now, Marcus is clutch running the football late in ball games. Clutch. He picked up two big first downs with his feet late in this game that were huge. That probably were the difference between winning and losing. He picked up a huge third down last time we played Jacksonville with a stiff arm, a nasty stiff arm, and juked Campbell out of his shoes before the stiff arm. The guy is clutch when he runs with the ball on third downs late in football games. Clutch. Uh, he, he has this ability to put his team in a position to win. That's what Marcus does. He's not a guy that's going to be an Aaron Rodgers or a Matt Ryan or one of those guys, that, you know, Matt Stafford, that's going to light up stats and is going to throw for 4,500 games. Or 40, sorry, 4,500 yards in a season. That's not who Marcus is, and he's never going to be that guy. He's going to be the guy that gets you, you know, 4,000 on a good year. That's going to get you a very impressive touchdown to interception ratio. That's going to pick up rushing touchdowns. That's going to extend games late. That's going to keep the ball in your hand late in ball games. That's going to be the difference between winning and losing a couple games a year. And Marcus has done that since he's been here. He's been the difference between winning and losing a couple games a year, every year that he's been here, including his first year where we only won a couple games. His showing that first week, week one, four touchdowns, Marcus won that game. You know, the games that he had later in the season, the comeback, you know, when we played the Lions last year, that comeback, that was on Marcus. He has, like, something like eight fourth-quarter comebacks, and considering how many games he's played in, that's unreal. And I know health is an issue, and it has been. You know, you want your quarterback to play all the time. 
Um, but I would much rather have Marcus Mariota right now uh, with the injuries than I would have when I would like to have most quarterbacks. Not you know, every for sure, but most quarterbacks in this league. And that's being honest. I would rather have him over Bortles for sure. I'd rather have him with those injuries than the question mark that Andrew Luck is. I would rather have him than Watson and the question mark that Watson is. Marcus does a great job late in football games of doing everything to win, of getting his team in a position to win, of putting the team on his shoulders to win football games. And if you can't recognize that as a Titans fan, you have been watching many games then. Look at how how many fourth quarter comes back he has. Look at how many game-winning touchdowns Marcus has. Look at how many times he's picked up third down to extend a drive late in a football game with his legs. It happens constantly. Constantly, folks. The guy is a a clutch at the end of games. He is. And that's a big reason why we were able to get to the playoffs last year. A huge reason why we were almost in the playoffs the year before. A big reason why I think we'll be a playoff team this year. Is Marcus does enough late to win football games. And he does it regularly. Even when the team sucks. And our team sucked yesterday on offense. Our defense was amazing. But on offense, we sucked. With the, with the injuries, the running game not clicking... I mean, it wasn't pretty, but when we were able to score, when we were able to put points on the board, when we were able to keep the ball out of Jacksonville's hands, when we were able to win the game late, it was because of Marcus. All right, but I'll hop off of my my soapbox there, and I'll I'll quit my rant. (laughs) And let's move into what happened around the AFC South. Uh, Obviously, Jacksonville loses to the Titans. Uh, to, to fall to 2-1. and one. Uh, The Jags will host the Jets next week. Probably a likely win there. Uh, Houston loses their ninth straight game. Nine straight. That is the worst losing streak in football. Uh, this time it was to the New York football Giants. 27-20. to 20. This Texan offensive line is horrible. Horrible. Worst in the league. Don't expect them to be a real challenger in this division. I said that at the beginning of the year, that I thought that Houston had a better chance of being in last place than they did first place. I believe I said that on the show. If not, I said it on Twitter somewhere. Um, I didn't think, I wasn't buying into this Texan hype because their offensive line is bad. It's really bad. They're going to have struggles. People are going to figure out how to play against Watson. You saw that happen this year. And <laughs> it's not like the Giants are a good football team. It's not like us with Blaine Gabbert is a great football team. You know, they have been losing games regularly now to teams that aren't great. This is a team that is is looking at a top draft pick. This defense is aging and not good. The corners are all suspect. The secondary has one key piece. This defensive line is aging. The the linebackers are aging and and very problematic. This offensive line is the worst in the league. This is not a team that we have to worry about in Houston. Um, moving on to the Colts. The Colts had a very close game against the Eagles, 20-16, to and a back-and-forth matchup with Philadelphia. Uh, this is good news and bad news for us. I think the Colts are better than what people expected them to be. I will say that. I don't think they're going to be great. I don't think this is a playoff team. I do think they're going to. we have to go in when we play Indy we have to go in knowing that this is a team that has a, sh- a shot at beating us, and we have to play them like they're a real football team. Andrew Luck can still make things happen. 
This defense is improved. The pass rush is getting better. You know, they have a guy down there, a young man that's having a really good season right now. The pass rush is better. This is a team that is is good. You know, not great, and just but good. They're a solid football team. Uh, the good news for us is the Eagles have not looked impressive so far this year, and obviously that's the team that we play next week. The defense has been doing its job. You know, you look at what the Eagles have been able to do, except that game against Tampa Bay. They got lit up there. But they held the Falcons under 20. They held the Colts under 20. If you hold a team under 20, eight times out of 10, eight and a half times out of 10 in the NFL, you're going to win that game. Um, so their defense is doing work still. You know, don't the Flesher Cox is having a, a damn good season. Another one. That dude's a monster. Uh, the secondary is pretty solid. Uh, the front seven is very good. And the offense is still finding itself, still figuring out. This was the first game with, with Carson Wentz back. You know, his game against us will be his second game back. It's going to be a tough game. It's going to be a very tough game. And we'll talk about it, obviously, really in-depth on Friday. But that's going to be a tough game. And, and the Colts look to be a decent team this year. And we got to keep that in mind when we play them. It's not going to be a pushover, easy win. We got to go in with that in mind. Uh, Colts will ho will host the Texans next week at noon. Honestly, I'd be very surprised uh, if the Colts don't win that game. The way that Houston's playing, the way that the pass rush for Indy has stepped up, I'd be very surprised uh, to see them not win that game against Houston and put Houston at a double-digit uh, losing streak. Obviously, as I said, uh, Jags to host the Jets next week. I think this is a, an easy win for the Jags. They're not going to be happy, you know, losing to Titans for the third straight time. They're they're not going to be happy with the way their offense played. They're going to play a defense that's up and coming. You know, Avery Williamson's going to shut down the run. I, I promise you that. Uh, but it's not a great defense. They're going to be able to move the ball much better than they did against Tennessee. That offense uh, that they have there with Darnold, this is going to be a big test for him, man. A huge test. And people look at the stat line in that Cleveland game and just look at the interceptions, but those were late. Those were late in the game. That was struggling to get back. You know, he looked impressive in that game from more, far more often than he looked bad. Uh, and I, I think that Browns defense is very good. I don't think it's a fluke. That defense is very good. Uh, I think you're going to see that throughout the year. Um, but, and, you know, that's a question mark, man. And Donald's a question mark still. He's a rookie. People got down on him last week. I, I still think we have a lot more to see before we have any idea what we're looking at with Donald. But he looked really impressive in the beginning of that game. And then at the end, he did struggle. When he was trying to come back, trying to put his team in a place to win, he, he struggled. Uh mightily but you also consider the fact that look at the weapons he's looking working with i mean can any of you out there honestly right now without looking it up can you name three wide receivers for the jets i mean i put big money that there's not many of you right now that can rattle off three without looking it up so keep that in mind but uh but i think the jags are going to win that game i don't think the jets have enough darnold would ha would have to have a really good game uh, mistake-free game. Um, I think the Jets are going to come out with, and playing with a vengeance after getting, uh, you know, their ass kicked another time by the Titans. And, but man, does it feel good! And I, I posted this on Twitter. You know, are you do you even call yourself a Titans fan if you haven't talked shit to a Jags fan? 
Jacksonville had like eight fans. <laughs> like three years ago, Jacksonville had like eight fans. I felt like I knew half of them. And now they're, they're everywhere and they're mouthy. Uh, that is a big thing with these fans. They are mouthy fans. They like they just love winning the offseason. They love winning in those power rankings. Uh, and they had a good year last year, and they have a good football team. Finally, for the first time since like the 90s, they have a, a real team. Uh, beating them consistently like we have is an absolute joy. Absolute joy. Yeah, you, you guys obviously are listening to this. You can you can see what the name of this episode is called. Another shot at the Jags um, from me. I like I like doing it. I, and I have friends that are Jags fans. I like giving them shit. This is this, so far through these weeks, first couple weeks. It showed me one thing. This division is still a two horse race. All the all off season, people were talking about oh Houston when they get Watson back, they get Watt back. They have them both right now on their zero and three. People talking about like what will we see with Andrew Luck? Andrew Luck's going to be healthy for the first time. And in a while, last time he was all the way healthy. This is a playoff team. So far, one and two. You know he's played okay. His touchdown to interception ratio is pretty bad. He's completed a lot of passes though. That defense isn't good enough to hold him up. They're uh, they are better. The pass rush is much improved. Not good enough to hold him up. So people I think are starting to realize you know what all of us Titans fans were saying and a lot of the Jags fans that I know were saying this is still a two-horse race this this division will still be decided in Jacksonville and in Nashville um, and we have to play well one thing that we have to do is play well outside of the division we're gonna get the opportunity to do that here we're gonna have a couple games in a row coming up here where we're gonna play people outside of the division and games that we need to win. Last week, last year, I mean, excuse me, we went nine and seven with five wins in the division. We need to be able to win games outside of this division. Obviously, we have the Eagles. Then we go to Buffalo, and Buffalo should be, a, you know, a team that we can beat. But boy, did they look good against Minnesota? We play the Chargers at uh, at home. We play, or sorry, we play the Ravens. Then that's a solid football team. Chargers on that Sunday night game. Or sorry, Sunday morning game. That's the one that we play in London. That's a that's a tough team coming out of the bye. We go to Dallas to play the Cowboys. They're not a pushover. You know. Then we have uh, the Patriots. All of those games before we play our next division rival. That's what are we looking at here. Six games. If we're a playoff team, if we're destined to be a playoff team, if we're going. Uh, to go to a play, uh, go to a playoff this year, we have to win at least three of those games. We have to go 500 or better in the next six games. And when you look at it, like let's say Buffalo was a fluke last week and they're still a bad team, let's take the W there. Say you know Cowboys are struggling. All you gotta do is stop that run, and Dak can't win it by himself. We'll say that. Put another W there. I guarantee you the Patriots aren't gonna play like they did against Jacksonville when they play us. Last time the Patriots went one and two, folks. They won a Super Bowl. The Patriots have like a kind of a history of sucking in September. Don't count them out right now. I promise you. We play the Eagles. Tough game. That's gonna be a tough one to win, especially if we're not healthy. Baltimore. Not gonna be an easy win. That's a tough football team. The Chargers in London. Tough travel. Tough team. That. Coming out with three wins. If we get three wins in the next six games, 
we're a playoff team. Because after that, the road gets a lot easier. You look, we have the Colts, Houston. I think those are two wins. The Jets, a win. Jacksonville on Thursday night at home, probably a win. It's going to be a tough fought, fought, uh, sorry, a tough fought game. But there's something in the water, man. We have Jacksonville's number. Then we head to the Giants. I think that's a win. We place the Redskins. Not really, don't really have a lot of faith in that team. Even though they did beat Green Bay, I think it's more of an indication of where Green Bay is at than it is of where Washington's at. And then we end up with the Colts again. That back half of the schedule, after the Patriots game, it gets pretty easy. I could see us winning out from there. You know, I could see us losing one game in those games. And those, um, what, last six, seven games? Seven games? I could see us, you know, winning seven straight. I could see us going six and one. Yeah, we have to do it. We have to get there and we have to stay healthy, obviously. But I can see it. These next six games are tough. Are tough games. You know. Outside the Bills, there isn't a team here that I think at all is going to be a pushover. And the Bills are still, after this week, are a question mark. Rosen looked really good in that game. And we don't have a lot of tape on Josh Rosen. So, that's going to be tough. We only have one more week to get used to what he's doing before we play them. And we have teams like the Patriots, the Eagles, that I think are top-tier teams. We have teams like Baltimore, Chargers, Dallas, that are likely going to be borderline playoff teams, if not playoff teams. It's a tough six games. If we win three of those games then we're a for sure playoff team. In my opinion, that's the way I'm looking at the schedule right now. We win three of the next six. We play 500 ball in the next six games. We're a for sure playoff team. I think that's the way I'm looking at it right now. So in the next six games, we need three wins. And then the back half of our schedule lines up pretty nicely. It's not going to be tough. It doesn't look like it'll be tough. Unless something drastically changes, we should be able to get a lot of wins in that back half of that schedule. But we need to pick up three of the next six. And it all starts with Philadelphia next week. On Friday, we'll go in-depth into that. I'm hoping to have a special guest on that week. Um, or, sorry, on this Friday. Uh, still working on the details, but hopefully a special guest to join me on that Friday show. And we'll talk about this Eagles matchup, talk about what the Titans need to do to win. Obviously, we'll get into the injury report. So keep an eye out this week. What are we going to do with these with these quarterbacks? What is there to do what is going to be the answer to get depth here? Um, a lot of question marks still. It seems like we've been doing this every week since week one ended. A lot of question marks in that backfield. But hopefully we get some, some answers this week and some more permanent answers this week so we aren't asking these questions next week. I'm happy to get this win, folks. I know all of you are. Happy Victory Monday. I hope you enjoy this week. Talk some shit out there to uh, to your Jags fans if you know them. Uh, if you don't, go make some Jag fan friends just so you can give them some shit this week. As always, tighten up. Yeah. Uh, two-tone, the podcast. It's the liveest. Every week we talking about them Tennessee Titans. Better tune in. This the podcast you want. Hosted by my big homie, Ryan Morland. Mariota throwing bombs he don't ever miss. Malcolm Butler hold it down with the Pick six, talking stats and plays. What's happening? Derrick Henry, Adoree Jackson. This is where we get it cracking. Yeah, Tennessee Titans podcast. Two tone. Hey, tune in.